unto him who has loved us and has washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Unto him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. God's word for our sermon is based upon the epistle for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, and paper just read to you. My dear fellow believers in our Savior Jesus Christ, we live in a sports-crazy world. Ah, the Super Bowl is being played next Sunday. Pitchers and catchers in baseball, hopefully, report later this month for spring training. And college basketball is in full swing with March Madness just around the corner. I know, not everyone is into sports, but a lot of people are. And what's always the goal for every sports team? It's to be number one. It's to finish first. It's to be the champion and to get the trophy. The Apostle Paul uses such a sports comparison in our scripture text for this morning. He compares the Christian life to the running of a race. Huh? And just like the goal of everyone who runs a race is to win it, is to finish first, so also the goal of every Christian is to finish their race on this earth and to win the crown of eternal life. And so our God tells us through his word for this morning, run, Christian, run! Because first of all, that's how God gives us the crown. And secondly, that that's why we do spiritual training. Don't misunderstand God. When he tells us, to run the Christian race in life, that doesn't mean that we have the power in ourselves to do the running. Let me say it again this way. We don't have the strength in ourselves to do what God tells us to do in our text, to run the Christian race. See, because we are sinful human beings by birth, and because every day we do things, sinful things to blow it in life, we very naturally think that, well, we have to do something to fix this relationship with God. We very naturally think that we have the power to live the Christian life, to run the Christian race in order to get closer to God, get him to accept us, and take us to heaven. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches from beginning to end that salvation, a relationship with God, that's a completely God's gift to us, a gift of his love. The Bible says it this way, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this faith, this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Our Jesus lived the perfect life in your place and in mine. And he died the death that you and I deserved to remove all of this guilt over sin, over every one of our sins. Really, past, present, and future, if you will. Huh? Forgiveness of sins is already a declared fact. 
And God tells the human race this message in the gospel. So that through the Holy Spirit, he can give a person faith in it. And that faith in Jesus itself that he gives is an undeserved gift of God to us. Let's put it this way. We didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose us and made us into Christians. So don't think for a moment that God's word for us today to run the Christian race means that we have the power to do the running ourselves. But God doesn't save people automatically. When God tells a person the gospel, the will of that person has to be moved. And God is passionate about that happening. When God tells a person, in other words, that Jesus is their Savior, something has to happen inside that person's heart and mind. A reaction needs to occur. For God doesn't save that person against their will. Rather, he moves that person's will to accept the gospel. And God changes that person's will into one that lines up with his. God himself motivates a person to run to Jesus. And to run with Jesus. And to love Jesus. And to trust Jesus. And to serve Jesus with his or her whole life. So when God tells us to run the Christian race, his gospel word that God tells us leads us to want to do it. And that's how God gives us the power to do it. Now, this is not a one-time thing. When we became Christians, it's not like, well, we accepted Christ, and now it's all over and done with. When God brought the gospel to us and made us into Christians, and for most of us, there was no doubt at our baptism as little babies, that was only the beginning of our conversion. You know, in a certain sense, we have to be reconverted every day of our lives for the faith in Jesus that God gave us to begin with needs to be maintained and held onto. Just like I can pick up a $20 bill like this, right? And then I have it. I also need to hang on to it, huh? Or somebody might come by me and snatch it away from me, huh? The faith that God originally worked in me at my conversion needs to be retained in the same way that I got that faith in the first place, through the word and through the sacraments. Now, Here's the concern. The faith that we have in Jesus is always able to be lost through our own negligence or refusal. We can lose our faith in Jesus. This is why our God tells us today, run, Christian, run. Because we need God's encouragement to us to continue in our faith. For it is possible to fall away. The Bible speaks of people who fell away, who lost their faith. For example, King David. He 
He did for a while. The apostle Peter did for a while. Judas lost his faith permanently. Paul himself says in our scripture text, he's afraid of losing his faith. He writes in the same letter, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There's no room in a Christian's thinking that, you know, once saved, always saved, right? Once a believer, you're always going to be a believer no matter what he or she does. That's not biblical. And so God tells us today, run, Christian, run. Now it's true that the Bible teaches that we Christians are able to cooperate with God after conversion, after we become Christians. Because you see, once we're converted, now we Christians have that new man of faith inside our hearts. So now we are able to work with God in staying Christians and reflecting Jesus in our lives. He's still the power source, but now that power source is inside of us. This love for Jesus is in our hearts because Jesus himself put it there. So that means now we can make decisions that connect us to Jesus and to his will. For example, as Christians, we have the power to decide to come to church services, to decide to read and study our Bibles, to decide to obey the authorities placed over us, to decide to carry out those duties in whatever roles God has placed us into in this life. The point is, is that we Christians are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to do what is wrong. We can run the Christian race. For God has poured out the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts through his gospel. So whatever those roles are that we have in life, and there are as many as I'm looking at the people out here in our congregation today, we can cooperate with God. We can run in the power of Jesus to do what our God wants us to do. Oh, we'll never do it perfectly, I know. But the more we do do God's will, the more we'll be able to do God's will. For you see, God will enlarge our hearts to love him more and more as we express our love for him. This is how God eventually gives us the crown of eternal life. By our running the Christian race, God works on our hearts with his gospel to assure us of his love and to hold us in the faith. Huh? And so Paul says here in our text, run in such a way as to get the prize. Through the struggles and the turmoil and the difficulties of living the daily Christian life, God actually works on our faith to draw us closer to him until finally one day we will leave this earth and go to heaven. And so the struggles in this life, they are a good thing. They purify our faith. They drive us into Jesus' arms. And so the more we're attacked for our faith, the more we're going to put our trust in what Jesus has done for us. Like Job, we can say, Lord, even if you kill me, I'll still put my trust in you. So more and more we'll look to God for help 
in our daily puzzles, the more we'll hang on to Jesus' promises to us. This running is a good thing. Just like physical exercise, that's good for us. It releases those, those endorphins that give us that euphoric feeling. So also when Christians run the Christian race, they get spiritual exercise and eventually win the prize of eternal life. It's the way God's going to get us to heaven. Now, in order to run this Christian race, we'll need to prepare ourselves to do it. I mean, you can't just up and run miles at a time without preparation. A person doesn't just up and run a marathon. You need to train for it. And part two of our sermon for this morning, as God tells us to run, Christian run, is this. That's why we do spiritual training. In the sports world, training is all important. And even though only two teams are in the Super Bowl next, to, next week, you can be sure that all the players of the other 30 NFL teams, they're already working out to keep their bodies in shape for next year. They can't let their bodies go. You know, gain 75 pounds, party into all hours of the night, and then start practicing when training camp starts in next July. If you are a pro athlete, you have to train year-round in the sport. Plus, you have to practice your sport to be good at it. You can't just up and play it. In addition, you have to watch your diet. You have to eat the right food. Get the appropriate amount of sleep. So much more goes into the pro athlete than what you see on TV. In the same way, it's that way in our spiritual life. So when God says, run, Christian, run, he also tells us to train spiritually for our running of that Christian race. And that training can't just be, oh, once in a while when you feel like it. Training has to be all the time or we'll lose the benefit of what we have done. This is the problem for so many Christians in our world today. They want all the glory of playing this game of Christianity, but they don't want the training and the practice and the discipline that are needed to do it well. We Christians simply can't coast. We can't rest on our laurels and what's happened in the past. We have to train for our Christian race our whole lifetime, no matter how old you are. We need to do that in order to finish the race well. And the only way to do this training for the Christian race is to grow in God's Word, to grow in the Holy Bible that we have. Here's what I'm talking about. How many Christians continue in their study of God's Word after they get confirmed? You know, many people feel that, well, confirmation, that's like graduation from the Word of God. Let's get closer to home. What about you, my dear members here? at our Savior. Is that your attitude? How have you continued to grow in your grasp 
of God's word. We need to intentionalize this. That is, we need to come up with a plan on how to do it. And so let me just ask you, how many of you are able to recite all 66 books of the Bible? Oh, that's great. Now, are you able to state the theme of each book of the Bible or a phrase that describes what that book of the Bible is about? And are you able to read the Bible on your own and take one passage and relate it to another passage and relate that to another passage? Are you able to explain a passage to someone who's struggling in their understanding? A child, a grandchild, a colleague at work, or a neighbor, or someone you meet at your parties, huh? Are you able to recognize a false teaching when you hear it? And what's false about it? And what the scripture says about that point? See, let's not be satisfied with an eighth-grade understanding of the Word of God. When it's a college-educated system of unbelief that's out there in our world that we're living with, they'll eat you alive. If people can train their bodies for sports activities, then we can train our souls for the race that Jesus has called us to run. Now, this spiritual training that we do, it has to be purposeful. That means we set up a plan and then carry out the plan to equip ourselves to run this Christian race. Paul says it this way in our scripture. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Notice Paul is using the image of a boxer here. Who, when he makes a punch, he doesn't just swing at the air and hit nothing, huh? Because if a boxer keeps missing his punches all the time, Eventually, that boxer will become punch drunk, right? He'll punch himself out, and his opponent will deck him because he's out of gas. No, a boxer throws punches deliberately in order to strike his opponent where he wants to strike him. The boxer even uses a combination of punches. He sets them all up in order to eventually knock his opponent out. We too, we need to have a purposeful plan for spiritual training and growth. That is, we need to set aside time for daily devotions, daily Bible reading, daily prayer, and meditating on God's Word. And we need to choose music, all kinds of music, that speak the Word of God to us. And then we need to listen to that music and let God build us up with it constantly. We need to have a plan for weekly worship and group Bible study and discussion. And we need to talk the Word of God there in our homes with our families and with our other members that we run into. And we need to be determined we're going to get closer to Jesus as he speaks to us in his Word. Run, Christian, run, God tells us today. Train yourself to do it. And then carry out your training. Paul actually gives us some specific advice about that spiritual training here in our text. He says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But they are also the houses of our sinfulness. 
As such, <clears throat> we need to exercise spiritual training by having self-discipline over our physical bodies. We need to subject our bodies to the control of God's word. And so we strike our mouths when they're tempted to say hurtful things to or about another person. And we strike our ears when they're ready to hear a juicy piece of gossip. We strike our eyes huh, when they're ready to look with lust at someone's naked body. We strike our hands when they're ready to take things that don't belong to us. We strike our hearts and our minds when they're ready to think things about other people that are not kind or loving or gracious or compassionate. Self-control. Self-discipline. That's what Paul is talking about here in our text. It's discipline rooted in the word of God that causes us to run the Christian race. Run, Christian, run. You know, we're always going to be tempted to become passive in our Christian race of life because the Bible says salvation is by God's grace alone. But there's nothing passive about the effect of God's grace as it comes to us in our personal lives. If we believe that all of our sins are forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ, and my friends, they most certainly are, then that message moves us to run harder and harder the older we get. Then that gospel causes us to do more and more spiritual training, not less, so that we can thank our Jesus even more productively. Because the more we grasp of God's unconditional love for us here in the gospel, the more we will be motivated to run the Christian race that God has called us into. And so, my friends, run, Christian, run, until God gives you the crown. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, that's beyond our human understanding, We'll keep our hearts and our minds centered in on Jesus, our wonderful Savior from sin, and he's also the Lord of our daily lives.